Hello everyone, welcome to What is Covenant? Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Dave Clay. What a wonderful thought. (laughs) What, Dave? What's the thought? If we didn't have to worry that anytime we meet someone and get into a conversation, it would not begin to take on political overtones. I am not a politician. (laughs) That's from the inside out as well as from the outside in. I don't do politics well. I don't like politics to me. Not saying that my definition of politics is the most accurate one or that a politician necessarily would fall (laughs) under this description as I might see it. But there's just a whole bunch of, oh, I want to say lying, cheating, and stealing that seems to go on with politics and politicians. I understand that Politics and politicians would be all about persuasion and influence. (laughs) Even if I turn that direction, which seemingly is kind of a positive, or at least is a neutral sort of lens. But then I begin to think of corporations and companies (laughs) and then commercials and advertising and marketing. And also (laughs) with that, I think about celebrities and movies and branding. And I'm not sure that capitalism (laughs) is the problem. I think it's how we go about doing it. And I think this is the corruption therein. It's not about the money or it's not about how we would in that sort of way if I could call it capitalism, and I'm not even sure I understand economics well enough to be quite sure that when I call something capitalism, it means what I think it means. But for the best that I might know it, and for the sake of the podcast, I don't know that making money or earning money is bad. I just think it's all about how you get it and then what you do with it. And to the extent agree that we all probably need to work together, that as there are then more and more and more, I had another one, more people in this world, certainly someone's got to do that. And <laughs> as much then, we can't trust the politicians, we can't trust the corporations. Um, Maybe we could trust the people, maybe, but it's, it's not about the money. It's not even wrong to have the influence. It's not even wrong to be a leader. It's not wrong to persuade. It's just how you go about doing that. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, and the what end that is done. And possibly so, there would be someone out there that would do it honorably. I feel like David, King David. Is there a righteous man to be found? And of course, I don't mean that question rhetorically. I'm asking that not only literally, but with an answer in mind. Hmm. I can't find one if there is one. And I don't, you know, I don't limit that. So much just the politicians or the capitalists or the economics. I'm having a difficult time finding righteousness anywhere in leadership positions in general. And why would that be? (laughs) Again, that's a literal question. It's not just rhetorical. It's a literal question. It's for the sake of rhetoric. It's a literal question. And I have an answer. Because they're not doing it God's way. And how do you then know? How do you even then in some hopefully cultural, I keep saying hopeful, I do aspire to great things. I'm always hopeful, even if I'm also at the same time somewhat pessimistic 
or seemingly so, fatalistic. I don't know if it's ever going to happen until, I want to add this, Jesus comes again. But I have to say, he's already come once. (laughs) Why? Why are we in this mess we're in again? And I I think (laughs) the cultural dimension is important. I think the Old Testament is all about culture. How to create a healthy culture. Healthy being a godly culture. Healthy being that God created us with certain need. He gave us all that we needed, not only physically, but psychologically, sociologically, socially, psychosocially, to not only get along, but to prosper. He gave us the earth and everything therein, as with dominion over. And why, why, why do we keep falling deeper, deeper, deeper into this abyss of poor leadership. People who are lying, cheating, and stealing. Why is it that every leader seems to be narcissistic and or with clinical reference in mind, borderline? Uh, Borderline personality disorder clinically is just descriptive of somebody who is so broken, so fragile, they're automatically attached to or attracted to and then become attached to the narcissist because they can't manage their own life. They're moody, they have mood swings, they have identity problems. They need a lot of taking care of. And yes, they're children in many ways, as with borderline. So are narcissists in many ways. But nobody is matured to the point, it's seemingly so, it's seemingly so, to the place where we can really truly example Christ. Now, I know that sounds like we're supposed to make it, and it's a developmental thing, and truly that's all psychology can do for you, is it can be descriptive, as I've tried to be with these. These are personality disorders, by the way, narcissism and borderline and they capture pathology personality it's enduring it really doesn't change uh, prognostically predictively we say they're going to be that way throughout their whole life and then it becomes a management issue so if there, there is or would be a developmental or a making it sort of component once you get to a certain age Psychology would say that that's as far as you go. And it it takes something more than a psychologist, psychological counselor, to change that. I think that is a good concession, confession, and concession. But what if we're the abyss? Not only liars, cheats, and thieves, what if not only are most politicians and leaders inclined to be narcissists, but what if most of the people borderline, uh, empty inside, vacuous, have no bottom on their emotions, no bottom floor, Uh, could go deeper and deeper and deeper, Uh, unstable, (laughs) poor sense of identity. This is what happens, folks, not only when you don't have good leadership, and with God, he gave us Again, the Old Testament, as we might then have some leadership, even if it wasn't from a particular individual. And though it isn't that we make it, we can abide in it. And in that, then (laughs) give God our full cooperation. We can raise our children up in it so that the next generation might be a bit better. But even then, it's not going to save you. Because that's only in psychological terms, bodily terms, ego terms, human terms. And we all know what human is and what humanity is and what humanism is as an offshoot of that. It's failing because it won't save you. It might sanctify you a bit, but you just, with that personality disorder concept, you just keep repeating it 
throughout the course of your life, and it takes constant correction, and somebody has to, again, sort of tell you what to do, influence you, give you guidance and direction. Possibly that's why we're seeing such the proliferation of influencers and people worshiping celebrities and worshiping politicians and worshiping politics and worshiping corporations and worshiping those individuals. It's all mammon stuff. That make billions and are worth billions of dollars. And all along we're screaming out, yes, we want somebody to tell us what to do. Yes. We want somebody to give us guidance and direction. Yes! We're too ignorant, literally, genuinely, ignoring of (laughs) any possible answers at this point besides those, uh, or the possibility of something greater and grander, I would say spiritual. Uh, We've not grown up. If it's a developmental issue, if we could contribute to cooperating with God, we've begun to seriously fail at that. How do I know? Again, the evidence that I'm trying to present in my case on the podcast today, the proliferation of not only narcissists, but borderline needing saved. There are more and more and more. And possibly then for every borderline, there could be a narcissist out there or someone who steps in and says, I'll save you. I know how to do it. You can trust me. But they don't. If that's all they're doing is asking you to trust them and the human dimension. Because it takes New Testament. It takes more. And what is that more? It's not just the culture It's just not knowing what we're supposed to be. God gave us rules. He gave us ten. The Ten Commandments. Rules. And we still can't get there because you can't put it on. You can't make it happen. You can for brief periods of time. It's not sustainable. You go through, as many might recognize this, the cycle of sin generation to generation that's captured in history the Old Testament, as it is a book of history, chronicle, all the kings, all the judges, some better than others, some certainly worthy of the title man of God, but they couldn't sustain it. We're going to get to it here at some point on the podcast today, because even with Samuel, it's going to get to it, the Bible reference. Even with Samuel, not only did Eli not do it, his sons were of their father, Belel, but even Samuel had the same problem. And I'll go ahead and get to it. First Samuel chapter 7, we're going to start with 15 because we're going to segue into chapter 8 and This is kind of important to give us that segue, proper context. So when we read chapter 8, verse 1, or the entirety, I think we're going to read of that chapter on the podcast, you'll have at least a good jumping point. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 15. And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. We already know Samuel was a gift of God, not only unto Hannah, who thought she was barren, but in the same sort of a way, continuing to try to encourage his people uh, in the ways of the Lord, and possibly recognizing we should be, <laughs> and him knowing we should be recognizing he already knows we're not going to sustain it of ourselves. It's aspirational. It's a good aspiration to be Christ-like. I want to be just like Jesus. What is that? Look at the Old Testament. Not necessarily just the New. The Old Testament. 
kind of that segue context kind of way, even about the Bible, so that you'll understand who Jesus is as we see him in the New Testament, because really God told us, he gave us instructions, the same ones to us, his people, and then now us, humans, us, as he did Jesus, and in that way, Jesus was human, undeniably, right? He was human. But the difference was he had not only a man after God's own heart, as with David, and not as with Saul, or as with what I'm going to read here, even Eli's sons, even Samuel's sons, there's no human that really is going to be or possess, have, be Jesus the Christ, or as Jesus the Christ, only one Jesus the Christ, but be as Jesus the Christ. And in some ways we are, right? Today, we're manifestations of that. Jesus lives and works in us and through us, in the power, through the power, through the wisdom, through the guiding, through the leadership, no lying, no cheating, don't steal, no stealing, of the Holy Spirit, so that we might then, in our best we could be, in our humanity, in our fallen human carnal natures, the best example of Christ this world could see. I'm still aspirational to that. That may seem foolish. I don't want to be a politician. I don't want to be a celebrity. I don't want to be a corporate CEO. I don't want to be a billionaire. I don't want to be a police officer. I don't want to be a major. I don't even want to be a judge. I do not want to be Solomon. I do not want to be a king. I don't want to be a pastor. Not that any of those things would be bad. But I know all of those things to be good requires the anointing of God. Because you can't make that. You can logistically be sanctified and prepared to receive that. You can be cleansed at least with psychology or intention. You can be as a good parent inclined to raise your children in the way of the Lord so they will not depart far from it. You can spend all of the days of your life in the house of the Lord. You can abide by the Ten Commandments and of your Father, as with the Old Testament. Abraham, and with that, Moses, who wrote the Ten Commandments in the first five books of the Bible that captures our common history with the Hebrew people. Their history, our common history, as abiding in them. But you're not going to do that because of that cycle of sin. It's just the same thing that Eli encountered with his sons, who were of Belel, Hophni and Phinehas. I think it was, or they were named. And with that, we don't know, I don't believe, Samuel's son's names. Because really, that's important. The identity doesn't matter. You know, G- even the name Jesus, there's a lot of people, I've said this on the podcast before, and I'm not sure how well it's been received. But, unfortunately, in Spanish, and I don't know much about Spanish, they call him Jesus. Uh, I guess there's some people who just call themselves Jesus, or their parents have called them Jesus. There are plenty of those examples, and all they are is humans. They're not the Christ. But it's not in a name. A name is important. A namesake is important. It's part of, again, the logistics. It's the intention. It's the prayerful intention. (laughs) Praying the the prayer of a righteous man. I think it's James. Availeth much. It's a woman. It's important to pray for these things. Again, to align one's will with God. You can do that with very with an inclined inclination to being very specific about what you want. But I always find it best to begin with the general and then let God give you the vision of the specifics. Then go and kind of backfill that. Oh, now that I see it, God, now that I understand that I'm praying for this. And that really is what the podcast is about today. I'm trying to share with you what we're really wanting in all of these things. 
And though I don't know that I would diagnose everybody borderline, there is probably more, there are probably more today than there's ever been just because of numbers. More people today, higher numbers. I don't know if the percentage is different, but at least higher numbers. But it seems like there's a lot anecdotally and with that narcissists who are again, I'll lead you. I can be the Christ. And even if they are atheistic or agnostic or maybe of some other religious persuasion, I can do this in the name of Buddha, in the name of whatever the persuasion would be. They're not going to. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but they're not going to. What they're going to do is eventually end up repeating this cycle of sin. And how do I know? Because Samuel, and I read that to you, so it it's, would be here at this moment in our conversation. You, you would know that. Going back to 15. And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And he went from year to year in circuit to Bethel and Gilgal and Mizpah and judged Israel and all those places. And his return was to Ramah, for there was his house, and there he judged Israel, and there he built an altar unto the Lord. Samuel did his work, the Lord's work, well, God's work, well. But even so, (laughs) 1 Samuel chapter 8 verse 1. And it came to pass when Samuel was old, That he made his sons judges over Israel. Well, we do know the name of his boys. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abahai or Abijah. They were judges and Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after money and took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. We do. I apologize. We do know the boys' names. But to me, I guess they're not important enough to really commit to memory. And probably most people would see it that way, which doesn't necessarily excuse my misinformation. But it's why it was not of top priority and on the front of my mind. What is a top priority in the front of my mind, though, is they didn't do it well. And because they did not do it well... We're left in the same place that we were when we met Samuel. And Hannah came to Eli and, or at least made her offerings unto Eli and then received that blessing and then bare a son, bore a son. A son was born unto her and she gave it to God. Because it wasn't just about what she wanted obviously. It was about what she wanted, but knowing full well that she wanted to serve God. And with that then, I believe, last podcast, if you want to go back and listen to it, I believe in that moment, especially as we hear her prayer in the first few chapters of 1 Samuel, she had a heart after God. Now, was her heart changed as with New Testament? Was her heart like David's? Yes. Were there moments in Saul's life, who is the king eventually that the Hebrew people got? Yeah. He had moments and he prophesied. But when he came to, and God called him, God told Samuel, this is the one. But when it came to waiting upon the Lord, and when it came to really being able to follow God's heart, when it came to what a king would really mean to the Hebrew people, 
Saul could not fulfill that because it wasn't just about money, I don't believe. Filthy lucre. It was about what you do with it. Now, you can say, well, you're hedging it a bit. Maybe I am. (laughs) As we know the word to say or speak or tell us, speak to us about. Money is the root of all evil. You can't serve God and mammon. And money is indeed then the primary to doing all of this lying, cheating, and stealing. We do it to get it. Humans, not me. I don't want to. I'm sure that at times I have been guilty of manipulating circumstances. I don't want to pretend like I'm perfect. I would not want to do that without calling myself out, you calling me out. If I've offended anybody, (laughs) then I want to apologize And I want to correct that. Zacchaeus, I think it's Matthew, (laughs) the tax collector. I want to do that. But at the same time, though, I'm smart enough, I believe, just in human knowledge, just in worldly knowledge, to know money implicitly in and of itself is not evil. And money does make the world go around. Undeniably, it unlocks resource. And if you can't do it on your own, or if you can't do it, and you need help from somebody to do it, then that commerce piece, the capitalism piece, is not bad. But it's what you do it for. Who you do it for. Do you do it in this way of homage? Did Samuel, I'm not saying he didn't, did Samuel consult with God even? (laughs) Or was it about as much who to place in that, those positions of judge, judgment. Was it just cultural up to that point, the tradition in the house of Levi, uh, Levites, Aaron, the high priest? All of that was lineage. But that is not, once again, going to save you. That's not even going to do a good job of judging you. Because there's going to be these generations Where though the prior was after God's own heart, God rested upon them, but they didn't possess it. They didn't accept or were not in a position to accept or possibly wasn't even God's intention until Jesus. That's that's a strong possibility that none was worthy until Jesus. And then the anointing not only fell upon him, came God, man, man, God, Jesus. King as well as high priest in those more carnal, material, human, carnal, worldly references. But he wasn't after money. Money was inconsequential. But he didn't come and say abolish money. It's not a natural resource, but it's a primary, it's attached to a primary resource and it becomes a secondary resource or reinforcer. It, it gets you the primaries. And I don't know that that's where the evil is, except it did give space and room, now that we're thinking about it, for the devil to get in even there. Maybe we could have had a society without money. I don't know. Maybe one day when the world goes bankrupt, we'll have to get back to that. Maybe that's one of those things that God's wanting to do to correct it all. I don't know. Jesus doesn't come back and give everybody a bunch of money. He told his disciples when he sent them out to take no money or script. So possibly money itself is not evil, but the fact that it exists or that it was created, maybe that's out of evil thinking and intention. But for the sake of the podcast, I don't know that that's necessarily what the problem was. The problem was nobody was consulting God. I think Samuel was listening to God. I think Samuel had a conversation with God. He had communion with God, communication with God in the same manner and way that he would then receive word or direction from God. 
But how do I know that it wasn't necessarily that Samuel was quite there yet, though anointed and anointed in a way that was far surpassing of anyone else we believe, I don't know, of anyone else in contemporary at his time. He was then the judge of all the Hebrew people. But how do I know? Maybe he still had a carnal dimension and possibly this is what this whole passage is about. Because in verse 6, 1 Samuel 8, But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people, and all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore, hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king who shall reign over them. Righteous indignation. (laughs) Moses experienced righteous indignation coming off the mountain when he violated, literally, tangibly, materially, broke the ten, the tablets that God had given him with the commandments written upon them. And he proved himself to be a major hypocrite because he earlier on, imminently so, had, before he came off the mountain, had spoken with God about, don't destroy them. Don't, don't, don't. God said, I'm going to. It's going to be now in your name. Don't. And then he comes off the mountain and does that. And you say, well, it's righteous indignation. I'm, I know it is. I don't want to be dismissive. I'm going to say it in a bit of a dismissive way, if only to capture the idea that I think that was coming out of his human dimension. It probably was a mercy of God to give him that because he wasn't Jesus either. But I think in that same sort of a way, Samuel didn't like that. <laughs> These are my kids. They're my boys. They're not good enough. And of course, we, I would think, we believe that Samuel would have known. Certainly, I spoke in the last podcast about passion. I'm sure Samuel was passionate. I'm sure he did everything he could to raise up his boys in the way of the Lord. That didn't happen. But it may have not happened because, once again, Jesus has not come yet. They were still being sanctified by the word, and that's really what the judgment was all about. God had given a special anointing or or had blessed Samuel with that anointing, the Holy Spirit, in his heart to do this righteously in that same sort of way that Solomon, too, as long as he was in that anointing, of that anointing, He judged the people rightly. But we know Solomon fell into Eve and Solomon fell into apostasy and left his first love. And why? That cycle of sin continued. David, Samuel, not Samuel, but Solomon. We've now got Eli, his sons, his boys, Samuel, his boys. And this whole thing is about then the people recognizing, well, like with Moses going on the mountain. You got there, Moses. We're not going to go up. Because they did not want to have an audience with God. In that same sort of dimension, nobody wants to have an audience with God. Not only because of their fear of God, but their fear of what that's going to bind them to. The accountability 
And yes, it is accountability, and yes, it has judgment, and yes, there is an Old Testament dimension to that, and yes, you're going to have to admit, when you come to those terms, come face-to-face, or understand it's going to require some face-to-face encounter with God, your righteousness is going to be of but of filthy rags, and you're going to feel awful. I would hope. Horrible, guilty, ashamed, prostrate, (laughs) face down in the dust. Not just out of common courtesy, not out of symbolism, literally, again, materially, (laughs) carnally, that really is death. It's, It's kind of prostate, right? You die... You don't die in spirit, except you would not do that. Then you die, because there's nothing of you that could enter into the presence of all of God, that God is, and you want to kill Jesus, because he's a reminder of what you're not. It's not just about the money and the material possessions. It's what you do with them. It's the intention. It's the heart It's not only after God's heart. In Jesus, you receive a new heart. You become a new person. Once again, the names don't matter. They're human names when it comes to this thing that we're speaking of. But I don't know that Samuel wasn't a bit indignant, even as Peter might have been. Talked about that, cutting off the ear of Malchus. Even so, denying Christ. It's just the human nature. And Jesus had not come yet. But he has now. (laughs) And we can see this. If we can see this, we can see this. If you'll follow me. At least consider. You don't have to agree with me. You don't have to accept what I'm offering as my own interpretation of all of this. But at least it should get you thinking. (laughs) And and then it should get you approaching God for the answer. Go to your Bible. Go to your prayer closet. Again, the prayer of a righteous man does availeth much. But pray for yourself. The effectual fervent prayer. Pray for yourself. But Samuel was not at all pleased with what the people said. When the Lord did speak to him, he knew enough He had experienced enough. He came to an awareness, oh, God tells me what to do and then I do it. That he was not going to do it even if his flesh said otherwise. Even if his psychology said otherwise. Even if the people, out of their borderline sort of natures at that point, wanted something more or wanted something to save them in that way. And even if there were some people of their father, the Belel, uh, politicians. It's always been about politicians, kings, kingdoms, ruling, reigning, controlling. But if it's out of the human nature, it's not going to work. And God was trying to tell Samuel that. They're not really angry at you. They might be. They might blame you. They might even blame your boys. But don't look at it that way. Realize it's because you're human, they're human, and Jesus has not come yet. Now again, we know that because Jesus has come. We know that because Samuel was Old Testament. We know that because the Old Testament exists, that we can read it. We know that because these questions that this should stir up in you, as well as the gift in you, read the Word. Go back and study it. The Holy Spirit will lead you to your own understanding interpretation. I'm just offering mine with some hope that it'll encourage you to seek out better yours. And and two or more gathered together in the name of Jesus. Nothing wrong with that. He's there in the midst and he will help us. It always comes back to the Christ. It always comes back to Jesus the Christ, not Jesus, not just Jesus, not human putting on Jesus. It's not just the name. 
<laughs> to back it up with cred, you have to have a heart. But don't be a hypocrite and don't pretend like you're something you're not because we're going to figure you out. And then we're not going to like that. We may not like you. But what they didn't understand was Jesus was the real thing, the Christ. The anointed one. The one we read about, as with the Gospels. The one that was prophesied of in Old Testament, we read about, as with the Gospels, in the New Testament. We mistook him for just another one of these prophets. We mistook him for just another one of these people. And Belel, the Satan, the devil, that's what he did. He was a big hypocrite. I'm not saying God didn't bless him. I'm not even saying that he might have been, could have been, but he wasn't. God knew all along he was not going to be the Christ. That is a bit difficult to swallow because at the same time, I want to tell you, but aspire to be the Christ, except Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and you can be as close to the Christ as would be humanly possible, and good news when you do fall prostrate, prostrate, excuse me, I knew I was going to mess that up, prostrate when you go to the grave. Don't go to the grave seeing that as an act of humiliation or that somehow in some angry, embittered sort of way. That, oh, I've got to do this. I really don't want to do this. Not as a narcissist. Or even as a borderline. Are you going to just keep reminding me, God, of how messed up I am? That doesn't help me at all. Send me somebody that's going to make me feel like, in my flesh, humanity, how great I am. Send me an encourager. Uh, Yeah, well, that's all good. Culture is good. Culture is not bad. Old Testament is good. Old Testament is not bad. Old Testament prepares us to receive the anointing, not in just putting it on our heart, not only just rubbing it in. From, and eventually, I can't read it. Love to read the whole Bible to you. Where Samuel does anoint Saul, it's not wrong to do that. You just need it from the inside out, a changed heart, and only one can do that. That's Jesus. But he wasn't anything like this king that Samuel warns the people about. And so I'm going to read it. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 10. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people who ask of him a king. And he said, this will be the manner of the king who shall reign over you. Get this, folks. It's current, not Old Testament historic. This is current. You could apply this. I could be reading this to you today. I'm not Samuel. I could be reading this. I'm not In that way, I'm not the Christ. I'm not telling you I have the answer. I'm not supplying you, except Jesus. I'm not supplying you my best interpretation. I am. But not asking you to believe that I have the answer for you. Jesus does. Jesus has the answer for you. Christian counseling, specialized pastoral care, always about Jesus has the answer for you. I'm just doing the Elihu thing. I'm trying to get you, Job, ready to have an audience with God. And he said, this will be the manner of the king, current relevance, current context, present day relevance, who shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen, And some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself captains over thousands and captains over fifties. And will set them to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. 
And he will take your daughters to be perfumers and to be cooks and to be bakers. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your choicest young men and your asses and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep. <laughs> you shall be his servants. And you shall cry out in that day because of your king whom you shall have chosen. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. It's happening, people. You need to go in the mountain. You need to have the audience with God. Mount Sinai. Was it where Moses met God? Was it where Elijah met God? Is it the Mount of Transfiguration? You need to go on that mountain. You need to have an audience with God. You need to ask Him, shew me your glory. You need to see then the earthquake, wind, and fire as removing the draws. As removing the corruption. You need to understand the ministering of bread and water of the angel of the Lord does allow you to have a presence and put it coming after the heart of God. But if you only do that even, Elijah, if you just have that opportunity with the angel of the Lord to be minister of bread and water, if you have even an audience with God, but you don't understand, it's all about a changed heart in the name of not just Jesus, not human, in the name of not a king, in the name of not a leader, an influencer, in the name of not a counselor, in the name of not a pastor. You're not going to find it except you would understand God's preparing you for an audience with Him. He wants to meet you on the mountaintop. He wants it to be between you and Him. Don't put anything between you and Him. I did concede that point earlier in the podcast. Yeah, God probably doesn't want us to use money in that way. He wants us just to come to Him. He gave us plenty enough primary resource. We always want to put something between us and God. Because we don't want God. But if you don't want God in that way, because you don't want to go prostrate before Him, if you don't want to accept death as the only real way to remove the dross, the corruption... Do it now. He's not going to take your life physically now. I don't think. I'm not saying that it wouldn't happen, but that's not the intention, I'm sure. But even if he takes your life, whenever he takes your life, either cause, natural causes, or some other cause, accident, they're all of God, I'm sure. Not to the end of destroying you, but your body and your identity in the flesh is not anything but trouble. Even for Eli, even for Samuel, even for David, David, King David, even for Solomon, you can't escape that. The only thing you could do is find Jesus and accept him as your, the Christ, Lord and Savior. Because the anointing wasn't just for a person after God's heart, for a moment. So that the next moment you could fall back into the abyss, the pit of sin. As I spoke of the borderline, it just keeps going deeper. There's no bottom to it. There's no end to it. Whether that is part hell and darkness. Uh, I know there's a lot of burning. So sometime, somewhere you're going to hit bottom and you're going to catch a flame. 
It's miserable. It's horrible. It's isolation. It's separation from God. But narcissists are not going to save you. Politicians are not going to save you. Educators are not going to save you. The Old Testament, as good as it is, is not going to save you. What saves you is Jesus the Christ. But you have to receive him in your heart. And you have to be willing to die to you. (laughs) They're taking over the world, folks. The king that you've cried out for, because you prefer to cry out for a king, a politician. Socialism, (laughs) you prefer to cry out to a CEO, a billionaire, you prefer to cry out to an influencer on TikTok or wherever you might find them. You prefer to cry out to the beautiful ones. You prefer to cry out to the ones that sing the best. You prefer to cry out to the ones that make you feel good, that do the sport that you love the most to the best, that win the great awards, that win the championships. You prefer to cry out to all of those. You even prefer to cry out to the anointed ones of God, believing that somehow they hold power of the anointing. They don't. They're a good example. Hopefully they do that with integrity. Hopefully they do that out of the Holy Spirit in them. And even with Jesus in their heart, they still make mistakes. That's what I tried to confess about me earlier in the podcast. I'm human. I want to tell you that, but I also want to tell you that's why I don't want to tell you what to do. I don't want to judge you. I want you to go on the mountaintop, have an audience with God, and allow Him to reveal unto you who you are in Him, in Jesus, so that He might dispatch you off the mountain, send you back out. You can tell the world as an ambassador of Christ, you can example Jesus in your life. They can see Jesus working inside of you. They know the difference between you and the legitimate authority versus those that are contrived. Those who are posers, those who are imposters, those who are narcissists, those who are just after your money. But don't ask them to save you. It won't work. For even as much this is political, and why I started with that at the top of the podcast today, at the beginning of the podcast today, it's got all these political overtones, but folks, this is not political. This is salvation. It just has a political expression. (laughs) And and it was all political. And what is politics? Maybe politics, as I had a difficult time defining that. Not telling you my definition is the best. But politics really is just transactional. You do this for me, I'll do this for you. But you'll never really get the return as much as what you gave They're willing to give you something back because they need you. Because they're not going to do all these things. They can't do all these things. They can get you to do all these things. They can manipulate you. They can control you. But they do that because you don't want to visit God and find out you need Jesus. Or you don't want to accept Jesus as the only means to having the necessary audience with God. And though Hannah was human, her prayer, I believe, was like Elihu. She didn't say that to Samuel. She said that to Eli. But she was speaking of the Christ. She really blessed Samuel. (laughs) Elihu couldn't. But she didn't bless Samuel out of her position In a material way, she blessed him out of her heart. She wasn't Jesus, the Christ. She wasn't the Lord and Savior of all humankind. There's only one. That is Jesus, the Christ. But (laughs) she was better than what Eli had come to. And I don't know that Samuel had lost that. I'm just saying he could not save his kids anymore then his kids could have saved him. 
They might be all instrumental to that. The only one that saves is Jesus. But you've got to get him in your heart. You've got to have not only a relationship with God, you've got to have a relationship with Jesus. You not only go up on the mountaintop and talk to God, but you have to in earthquake, wind, and fire. Again, going back to Elijah. Now the mount of transfiguration. You have to see who Jesus really is. And understand, that's not just for him. That's for you. He will make that possible. He does make that. May, will, if you accept him as Lord and Savior. He will do that work in you. But that's for you. And it's not the way that, they, that the devil presented himself as an angel of light. That's the Antichrist. Not with trickery, Mr. Mistopheles kind of stuff. Cats. Magicians. Pharaohs. Magicians. He's going to do that legitimately. But it only comes from a broken heart. But God doesn't break your heart. You give the alabaster box, you break it. And you give it to Jesus. Because God's not going to kill you. You're going to kill yourself. The devil's going to be instrumental. But even he can't kill you. (laughs) Job. He can do all this stuff, but he can't take your life. Don't give it to him. Don't ask for a king. Ask for Jesus. And as much as, I would again love to read you the whole Bible, I can't. But I will say this, now that we've gotten to this point of really bringing all of those things in sermon terms (laughs) to this wonderful point of clarity and definition, a come-to-Jesus moment. Saul didn't do that. And with that, the anointing was removed from him. And with that, David didn't do that. And with that, Solomon couldn't do that. And with that, nobody could do that until Jesus came. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But you have to let him. And if you don't, then it's on you. God sent his son to save you. You see people like me to tell you, try to remind you, to stir up the gift. Think about these things. But the power of life and death is in you. You have to make the choice. Who are you going to serve? Joshua would know. I'm going to serve the Lord. But you can. In the name of Jesus, you have all power delivered unto you through the Holy Spirit. That is alive within you. Operate in that. Now again, will it have political overtones? Might you be a pastor or preacher? Might you be a psychological counselor? Might you be a specialized pastoral care or Christian counseling minister? Might you be a politician? Might you be a lawmaker? Might you be a judge? Yes, it's just like mammon. It's just like money. You can't remove those dimensions, but you can sanctify what is so that it serves the best of godly purposes until Jesus comes. And then when Jesus comes again, I accept that. We have no need for money. We have no need for judges. We have no need for psychological counselors. We have no need for pastors. We really, in that way, have no need for what we know Jesus to be because at that point, it will be a finished work and we will all be one through Jesus, in Jesus, the Christ. But you don't need saving then. You will have already experienced salvation. Will there always be Jesus? Will there always be the Christ? Yes, the tree of life. But at the same time, though, I don't believe there will always be humans. <laughs> I think we'll be new creatures. Okay, you can 
talk to me about iterative regeneration. You can talk to me about chromosomes. You can talk to me about genetics. You can talk to me about dirt. And you can talk to me about God bringing life out of dirt. And maybe he will bring <laughs> something that looks like genetically, I don't know, it's identical. You can talk about genetic engineering. and You can talk about test tube babies. I mean, you can do all of those things. But I don't want to have all the corruption. Maybe that's just my great prayer is, God, don't make me David again. I don't want to be David. I want to be Jesus. And maybe that was God's intention all along. Is if we just wanted to be Jesus and knew who Jesus the Christ was in such clarity. Or maybe just could continue to have that conversation with God. Eventually he would get us there. But it didn't happen quite that way. But if we get another shot at it, God chooses, shows me that's what we need to do. I'm going to agree with him. <laughs> I'm going to do everything I can. I just don't think it'll be me. I think I'll be a new creature in Christ Jesus. But isn't that what counseling is all about? Specialized pastoral care, Christian counseling ministry. Yes, it is about that. It's about second chances. It's about being new creatures in Christ. It's about turning one's life over to Jesus. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, and direct. Maybe about coming back to the next podcast. What is that? What is Covenants? Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Dave Clay. You can reach out to us, 304-528-9220, covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com, covenantsonline.com. Catch us on Facebook at Covenants. I think, again, I've covered all that. But you can come back also to the next podcast. And isn't that fortunate? You don't have to do anything more. (laughs) And just wait for me to drop it. And we drop it weekly, and you can catch more of the same hopefully it won't be exactly the same it'll be the same that jesus saves but it will be maybe a different way of looking at that it'll include maybe some things that are relevant in that specific sort of way to your life but you're not going to get condemnation and judgment ever except to say you need jesus until we get a chance though whichever way it might be to meet or meet again i want to wish you the best Remind you that God loves you and that you're blessed. And I want to say thanks.